All right, Ephesians chapter 3, please. Let's get over there. In verse 13, Paul was always concerned, whether it was Thessalonians or the Colossians or whatever, in these prison epistles, he was concerned that because he had been arrested, put in prison, and then these people back in these, these churches, they would get discouraged, think, you know, if you serve the Lord, you're going to end up in, you know, um, maybe arrested, and, and maybe that would be intimidating for them to quit uh, preaching and witnessing. So Paul prayed for them. And in chapter 3, verse 13, let's just pick up on that thought, thought there. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So he said, these things I'm going through are for you. That's how the gospel came. Somebody had to be like the front line and fight the battle. And he said, but I'm praying and my desire is that you don't faint, you quit, that you drop out because you see my tribulations. Look at verse 14. And for this cause... I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we would say that he says, basically, I'm praying for you. I have pointed prayer. And in the next few verses to the end of this chapter, we have Paul's outline of his prayer. I don't know if it's exact words of how he prayed it, but this is what he was praying about. He, he had purpose in his prayer. And could I just say as sort of an offshoot tonight, when we pray, we ought to have purpose in our prayer. We ought not to be going through form prayer now, just repeating the same things with our brain turned off. Paul was really burdened about a matter. He was this burden of encouraging these believers. And could I say today, we would say this is a prayer that we have for all Christians, that we don't faint, that we don't quit, that we'd be encouraged, that we would be strong, that we would stand, that we'd fight the battle. I have purposely not said much about the election. Oh, my. It looks like we might be really in the battle for the next four years. I mean, just by the time things come around and go around, it's, it's just our, we're going to be in the middle of a mess, it appears to me at least. So we don't want to faint. We don't want to quit. I mean, the, there's always been opposition, and whether it's in government, whether it's uh, over regulations, or whether it's directly trying to shut the doors, or uh, whether it's people at work that resist us and won't let us go up the promotion ladder, whether it's from relatives or a neighbor or the community civic club pushing back, there's always some sort of a tribulation that comes. So Paul says, I'm praying in this area. Look at verse uh, verse 14. He says, I pray and bend my knees to the Father. Who are the prayers addressed to? God the Father. I would just remind you, when we pray, we pray to God the Father in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I repeat that? We address our prayers to God the Father. When I was a young Christian, I always addressed my prayers to Jesus. And I realized one day, we come to the Father in Jesus' name. And that was a sort of big revelation. If you're a younger Christian, that's something we need to grow and understand. Paul says, I address the Heavenly Father in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit that helps me to pray. So I'm praying for you to the Heavenly Father. Look on, if you will, verse 15, talking about that prayer to the Father, of whom, from Christ, 
the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And so the whole earth is all named. It's all spoken. Christ has created all this. And so we're praying to our creator. We're praying to our savior. We're praying to the one that loves us. And so he's praying to the right place. Look at verse 16. That, and so here's what he's going to be praying. That, what would what he be praying? That he, God, the father, would grant you according to the riches of his glory. That he, would, that he would answer this request. God would grant this request. You know, God can turn down a prayer request. There's always three possible answers to a prayer request. One we all like to hear is, and then the one we don't like to hear is, and one that we don't like to hear more than that is, Wait, okay? So he says, I'm praying that God, in his sovereignty and in his strength and in his power, that he would grant this request for you as a Christian according to, and that idea of according to is in relationship to what? To the riches of his glory. Now, how rich is God? How big is God's checkbook? How deep is his power? How much, how much strength and energy and fullness does God have? He has infinite. I'm praying that God would open his infinite riches and grant this request. I was thinking, we preached a few weeks ago uh, talking about how that the king of, of um, uh, Syria opened up the riches and he granted to Daniel and he granted to Ezra and he granted to Nehemiah, he granted to them certain riches. And one of the things we enjoyed when they went through a little power struggle and the, the enemies tried to shut it down, the, the next king said, you know what? I'm going to up the limits so that they can have the, the materials to build that temple way up to these high limits. And just opened up the storehouses of, uh, uh, of, the, of the unsaved king. We said, praise God. Here Paul is saying, according to the riches of the God of eternity. And you start thinking that the Lord is going to open up this shining glory according to his glory. How much is the glory of God? You know, we think of the glory of God. I was, I'm starting a series in Genesis with my high school and junior high class. They were talking about the power of God in creation, how when Jesus spoke, God sent his son, and Jesus spoke, and the world came together. And I was trying to express it to the teenager, how much power and strength that God has. And I, I, I said, I want you to sort of picture, I want you to cup your hands. Would you do this with me, please? I want you to sort of cup your hands, Okay. Got that amount right there? If you take that little amount of material, something about that size, and you put it inside a, another little sheaf lined with lead and all the rest, and you put a device in it that causes there to be a, a, a nuclear uh, reaction, and what a nuclear reaction does is it takes the atoms and destabilizes that structure way down on its electron-proton uh, level, and it unleashes, think about this, it unleashes the power in just this handful of material. And what is it able to do? Well, we found out in World War II over Hiroshima and over Nagasaki that when that just little handful allowed the power in that amount of energy, it all just blew up miles and miles and 
Hundreds and thousands of people went into eternity. Just the power in that much material. When we think of the glory of God, think of Moses up on, on the mountain. He says, God, I want to see you. And God says, you can't look at me. And just think of the glory of God. He said, I'm going to pass by. I'm going to shield you with the, my hands so you can see the hindermost part of my glory. And Moses came down, and from just this little teeny reflection of it, his face glowed for 40 days. And they had to put a shield or, or a, 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 a covering, a veil over his face just from that power. So here Paul's praying that God would grant according to the riches of his glory. You start thinking, I want you to understand, when we pray tonight... We're praying to the Heavenly Father, and God can grant according to the riches of his glory. I tell you what, the only limit on our prayers is our faith. The only limit on our prayers are, is our faith tonight. I challenge you, it's not God that has the limit. It's we that have the limit in our faith. And God has told you, you have not because you ask not. And I tell you, this is Paul praying. This is the, this is the subtext that, uh, that he's laying this prayer on. And I better hurry up or we'll be here till 2 in the morning, all right? So let's get to his prayer request, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, number one, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That word strengthened here is the idea that you would have the uh, empowerment that would increase and increase. That God would help you to be an increasing, strengthened person. You know, a person goes down the gym, they want to get stronger. You know, they, they don't want to come out with the same size muscles after about a month that they were, went in when they wanted to get bigger and bigger, that you would be strengthened. Do you know what God wants to do to us? God wants us to be increasing in our strength in our Christian life. God wants so that, that we can have power. You know, for years when I was a little boy, my sister that's just older than me, if you're watching tonight, Jeannie, I, I, I'll, I'll be telling on you, my sister used to beat me up regularly. <laughs> I, was my, I was always the littlest person in my class, and my sister, two years older than me, she would just get me, and the only protection that I had, well, I had two protections. Mom, I had the bathroom, and I could get down in the corner and stick my feet up and try to kick her until she just sort of, you know, laid, and then she'd just get a hold of me and beat me up, you know, type of thing. That's what big sisters do, right? Okay. But I'm telling this for a reason. There came a point when I was about 13, and I was defending my sister in that kicking position, and I reached up to grab her hand, and I realized my hormones must have started to kick in, and I started to get to be a man, and she had gone through all of her strength, and I grabbed her arm. And I could hold her back. As a matter of fact, I could even get a blow in. And there was a look on my sister's face. The power had changed. The, the, who was in charge had changed. And when she realized that, she ran to the bathroom and said, Mom! That was a wonderful day. Okay? <laughs> Things were never the same in our house after that. Okay? Do you know what? Can I tell you when it comes to spiritual strength? God wants us to strengthen us just like that. Do you ever feel totally overwhelmed by Satan, by the adversary, by lots of different things? Paul says, I'm praying that you'll be strengthened like that. 
How? You'll be strengthened with, with might. That's power, dunamite, miraculous power, power that comes from God. He'll increase your ability through the Holy Spirit empowerment. If I had time, we'd go to Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and then you'll be witnesses, and you'll be able to overcome. And then notice it says in that same verse that he would strengthen you with might by his Spirit, in the inner man. Notice the three different prepositions that he would that he would um, strengthen you with might, by through the power of the Holy Spirit, and then you notice it says where in your inner man. I'm praying, Paul says, that you would be strengthened so that you're able to be growing and able to fight the battle better and better and better than you used to be. A Christian ought to be strengthened and strengthening and continual. And boy, we think of Dr. Hodges. Look how God strengthened him. We're looking through pictures, and we're looking at Dr. Hodges when he was a teenager. Do you know he had a 28-inch waist when he was a graduated? He was just a little uh, young, skinny little dude. And uh, how God strengthened that young man and took him and made him into a the person we know. So I would say God wants to do that in all of our lives. That's God's desire. Through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, guiding us, strengthening us in the inner man. Notice the next verse, verse 17. That, the word that is for the purpose. For the purpose that ye might be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, height, I'm sorry, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. So what's he want to do? He wants to strengthen us that Christ may dwell in us in a permanent growing pattern. That idea of uh, you may dwell is to move in and just reside with roots down. That you may, Christ may dwell in you in your hearts. And that's where Christ wants to move. He wants, he wants to move in your hearts. But notice how it happens. Look a little closer. May dwell in your hearts by what means? By faith. How are we going to have this empowering? How are we going to have the strength to be an overcomer? How are we going to have the Holy Spirit's empowerment? It's going to be as Christ is permanently coming into our life and strengthening us, and we're just growing and putting these roots down, but it's by faith. And I've already mentioned that tonight. I, I went back and started looking through some of the verses. I, I looked at them in the past, but how many times Jesus would say to somebody, according to your faith, be it unto you. Could I say tonight, in our prayers, in our taking the promises of Scripture in our ability to overcome Satan according to your faith, be it unto you. How much faith do you have tonight? What's your faith in? Yourself? Our faith needs to be in the finished work of Christ, in the promises of Christ. One of the things that I encourage you in your life, as you go forward and you attempt to, to increase in different areas, always look for a Bible basis why you have authority. Listen to that again. 
always look for a Bible reason or a Bible basis why you have the authority to claim it and then claim it by faith. God said it, and now I'm going to believe it, and it shall be done unto me according to my riches. You know, one of the problems that we have is that we don't have enough knowledge of the promises. Years and years ago, when Mario Brothers came out with Mario and Super Mario and you know all that kind of stuff way back, I watched my kids. They were they were playing the games and stuff like that, and they would go through these worlds, go to level one, level two, level three, all this stuff. They didn't know, but when they went to school, sometimes I would try it. I couldn't get past that first little jump. I go and go back, reset. Couldn't get. How many can identify with that? Okay, and I just couldn't get it. Finally, I got so I could get down to the second little level and the third little level, and they just come. And I was watching them, and all of a sudden, I saw them go like to, um, I don't know what the levels are, level 22 or something like that. I said, how did you, you were just on world three, and now you're on 22. They said, Dad, you have to know where to bump your head at the right place with having so much power and so many lives, and it'll skip you like 20 levels. I said, how in the world did you know that? Well, we went to school. And somebody brought a, a Super Mario magazine. And it tells you all the little things that you can bump and you get little stars and more life and you can grow. And you, you know what I'm talking about? Well, God gave us a book just like that. He gave us a little magazine. Amen. And we need to understand it. And then you have to, by faith, you have to activate those promises in your life. You know, life's not a game like Super Mario, is it? It's the real deal. And we have been given a battle strategy book. We've been given instructions from God. We've been given the answer, and it's right here in our book. But God says, I want Christ to dwell in your hearts by faith that ye may be able to comprehend. And you know what God wants us to comprehend? He wants us to comprehend with all saints a wonderful truth. The breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of the love of Christ. He wants us to know and understand, you know, God is love, isn't he? And God has so many promises. He says, I want you to understand God and all of his width and all of his length and all of his deepness, and all of his height. I put in my notes here the four dimensions of the love of God. Isn't that amazing? To really know and experience. You know, knowing something in one dimension is like knowing a... If you know math, that's one point, right? If you know math, two dimensions is a line. If you know three dimensions, now you have something stands up and it has... You know, it has but the fourth dimension is that dimension of time and expansion out, and exponentially we go into that fourth dimension. God wants us to understand him not just as a point, not just as a line, not just in all the, the cubic size. God wants us to understand the immenseness of who he is. He wants us to know him. Isn't that a wonderful truth? The length, the depth. 
the height. God wants us to know every part of it, the width of his love to us, to know the love of Christ. Notice, go back in the verse again, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye might be rooted and grounded in love. Boy, we skipped over that rooted and grounded. That just means the idea of rooted there is stability. The word grounded means and settled. Grounded and settled, stabilized in Christ, in the love, that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is a breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ. So God wants us to know it. What's the word know there means? The idea of know something is to experience it in a way that that you know it because you've been there. Not just, just the, the one dimension of knowing it by um, studying it. He wants us to experience it. Um, you know, I might say it this way in just a few dimensions. I might know that my wife loves me because she said it. That's one dimension. Because she wrote it. And as we were going through some stuff this past couple days, I'll tumble some of these little notes my wife and I wrote next to each other. So I know she said it, I know she wrote it, uh, but I also know that my wife has shown it. And when we first got married, I'll never forget the first time my wife sent across campus through some means, she got it to my dorm room, and on my bed was this beautiful, nice note, and it was a cheesecake with this beautiful uh, cherry filling on top that make you hungry. I mean, she, see, it was words, it was written, it was now being shown, but now I've lived with my wife for 43 years. There's a dimension of time, isn't it? And you try to tell me my wife doesn't love you, I mean, I know she loves me. Okay. That's what God wants us to know about him. Now, what are the, what's he trying to pray for them? They're, don't be discouraged by tribulation. He says, I want you to understand. I want you to know this and comprehend this, and I want you to be grounded and rooted in this tribulation time. The love of Christ for you is real. How oh, real? He laid down his life for us. He answers prayer. He's interceding. I mean, can we go on and on and on that we might be able to know this? And let me tell you what, when you get into tribulationist times, hard times, what a strengthening, what a settling, what a grounding to be able to comprehend this. But I want you to see something else here. Look, at it says, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Now, that seems like one of those things that oxymoron. He said, I want you to know what you can't know. But obviously you can know. But to really know God is incomprehensible. God is so deep and so high and so full and so strong and so able that we'll be spending our life just beginning to scratch the surface to know the love of God. You know, I I looked at other verses this idea to, that the love of God, which passes understanding, reminds us of Philippians chapter 6 and 7, that it says, well, it's just there. I, have, I just have to look at the verse. We read this all the time. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Not hear the, peace, the love of God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. You see, we begin to understand 
the love of God, the peace of God, the power of God. And we begin to, do you know what's really neat? When we begin to understand, when we begin to understand that our God is so infinite, that our overcoming problem that seems like there's nobody can ever overcome it, and I begin to experience the power of the infinite God, there is no problem that God cannot overcome. He said, this is what I'm praying for you, that you'll begin to know what God can do. And had Paul begun to scratch that surface? Oh, I think he did. I mean, beaten, left for dead, put in prison, all stoned, all the kinds of things that he did. And those things, those tribulations, you know what they did? The tribulation was the form that pushed him deeper into knowing God. I don't understand why God is doing such and such to me. Could I say to you, God is helping you to experience him. Isn't that a beautiful picture? But I tell you, some people drop out instead of trust God. Have you ever been tempted to drop by the wayside? To quit? I pray that instead of quitting and being discouraged by looking at my tribulations, instead you would be encouraged, grounded, rooted, that you can understand and comprehend, that you know the unknowable, a God that's infinite in his ability. To know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, and that she may be filled. Look at this. This is this. You see the progression. That you will be filled with the fullness of God. Tell you what, to be filled with that understanding of our infinite God fills us with the completeness in any circumstance. And He's Christ is all we need. God is all we need. Can I just put it in the lecture form? I didn't choose this for this reason tonight. But we don't need a certain candidate or not a certain candidate. What do we need? The fullness of Christ and God, the Father. And can it be sometimes that God allows things to come into our life that we might in that tribulation be pressed to even know him deeper by faith? That should be our response. It ought not to be, quick, give up, man. The world is so bad, and there's no way to overcome it. Oh, yes, there is. I know the infinite God. And I'm filled with the knowledge of that. And I'm filled with the fullness of the fullness of God. And I tell you, when I have that, my meek, hopefully, confidence just soars. Can we say amen tonight? Yeah, you say amen too. All right. Look at verse 20. And then he says, Now unto him, now unto God that is able. And now he's sort of, do you see the ramping up? Now unto him that is able. You know, God is able. What's the child song we sing regularly? He's able, he's able, I no, he is able. I know my Lord is able to 
carry me through. He's able, he's able. I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He healed the brokenhearted, and he set the captive free. He made the lame to walk again, and he caused the blind to see. He's able, he's able, I know he is able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. Simple little song we teach our children, but it's this right here. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding. The word exceeding is the word huper, and huper means above, way beyond, way up there. My God is able to do above, exceedingly, abundantly. The word abundantly is super overflowing. My God is able to do above overflowing. Do you get the picture of those words? Exceeding abundantly. And then he has the word above again. It's a, a hooper again. Above exceedingly above all. When you have those words like that, it's like saying, amen, amen. Verily, verily. Hooper, hooper. Above, above exceedingly. That's the idea of this passage of Scripture. Now unto him that is able to do above, above, above what we can think, above all that we, notice two things, that we could even ask, and above all that we could even what? Think. So God is able to do whatever, above what I could ever ask him. That word think has this idea. Let me just sort of look it up here so I can get it exactly right. Above all that we could think, to exercise the mind to even understand it. Above all that we could ask or even, even comprehend, in the, even in theory. Now unto him is able to do above what I could ask or I could even think to ask. What's Jeremiah 33, 3? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which, what? Thou knowest not. That's the same idea. This is the God. This is what he's talking to him about. According to the power that worketh in him. What is the power that works inside us? That's the Holy Spirit's work in our life. This is the work of Christ that made us a new creation. This is that, that dynamic that God is wanting you and me to be growing in our life. If we don't have it, it's not because God doesn't want you to have it. Because we're choosing to try to do it in our own power. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh us him, result unto him be what? Glory. In the church. By Christ. Throughout all ages. That idea throughout all ages is through all generations. Through all that same power. We talked about this recently. The power that worked in the year 100, 500, the year 1000, the year 1200, the year 1700, the year 1800, what God did in 1900, what God did in 1980, what God did in the year 2000, He can do in the year 2020. 
through all generations. And then he says, world without end. The words world without end are, are literally, this is what, what is, it's two words. It's the words I own and I own, which means just simply age to age forever. That's what it means. In all generations with no end in sight. Where is all this flowing out from? Back to the beginning of the passage. Now, according to the riches of God. God pours all this power out. Just think back in my beginning illustration. It's just a little handful of his power and his glory. God is not limited. And often we don't look at the last word there. We just sort of look past it. But what does that word amen mean? Literally, amen means So be it. He said, I pray this. May God grant it. May this be so. Could I say this is what God wants? I think what Paul wanted for the the Ephesians. This is what God wants in the church at Westside Baptist. This is what God wants. God wants us to be filled with the fullness of his understanding and his love and of his overflowing power to be confident into all ages. May this be at Westside Baptist Church. And may it be in your life. I tell you, Christians, this ought to give us encouragement tonight. To God be the glory. Great things he has done, is doing, and will do age to age. Amen. Should we say that? Amen. Ready? One more time. Amen. Do you believe that? One more time. Amen. One more time. Amen. We believe God. Heavenly Father, we love you. May you help us, Lord, to be understanding the understandable, that can't be understand, to know you, the one that's infinite to know. And may, Father, we begin to learn to trust our infinite creator that loves us and wants us by faith to experience this stableness, to be rooted, grounded And Father, may our lives be a glory to your name. In Jesus' name.